Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I'm your host, Anne Grepper. I am joined by my good friend, Daily Mirror Royal Editor, Russell Myers, who is not melting in the heatwave this week. Instead, he's trying to avoid getting blown away in the storms. <laughs> yeah, I am. It's, it's, a, it's blowing a gale. It's, I don't know. What's it like where you are? It's, Happy English summer, everybody. If I go outside, I may disappear. That's how bad it is. So the weather is back, the weather is back to normal. Some other things are back to normal in Royal Land. Changing of the guard is back at Windsor Castle. That like signs of returning to normality. And um, yes, yeah, so we've got lots to talk about today. And I sort of, you know, it's a little bit end of term. We're little bit sort of you know pre-holiday happy um but don't worry you will have lots of interesting royal things to listen to over the coming weeks because i've been out and about doing some specials russell i've been hanging out with other people not with you i mean it's ludicrous to be honest you've been flaunting your wares cheating on me who have you been out with this week uh, so well, last week, just after we recorded, I went out with Zoe Forsey and we went to Westminster Abbey and that will be a recording that we'll be sharing with you next week. It was absolutely fantastic and they were very, very kind to us and um, they also kindly went and asked the organist to do his practice a little bit later because it wasn't um, it was going to make recording a little bit difficult over the top of the organ. So that was last week and then... Earlier this week, I met up with Amber Grafland to talk dresses, and we went to Kensington Palace, which was fabulous. So that will be out in two weeks' time. So fashion lovers, definitely keep your eyes out for that one. But yeah, so really excited to bring you those those recordings, and um, and then there'll be another little special coming up after that. Which exactly which one? TBC, but you know. Russell's getting can't, a little break. I'm getting well, a little I bet, break. I can't believe you didn't ask for my expertise with the dresses, to be honest. Well, you do get a mention, Russell. We, we <laughs> debate. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was an ever important question about what colour things are. but uh, oh, <laughs> Everything's teal, I think. Um, <laughs> Everything or fuchsia. I mean, I'm qu- questionable colours of Russell's jumper today as well. So anyway. What, it's check. a salmon. It's a salmon pink. Yeah, I went peach. I went peach. But, you know, mm, either, either way. Right, so lots for you to look forward to over the coming weeks. But first of all, we need to sort of wrap up what's been happening. Um, what's been happening recently? It's various different things. Um, some Fergie's been out and about. In, oh my as she, word! As she builds up to her book launch, so we'll be talking about that a bit later on. Lovely Kitty Spencer wedding day outfits. You know, no royal, no royal weddings. Five dresses. We will take Kitty an aristocratic. I know. We'll take an aristocratic wedding in Italian style. It's fab, and um, we welcome back Sarah Bradbury to talk dresses later on. Sorry, Russell, you're not going to get a full reign on those dresses either. I, I can give you. I can give you a bit of a rundown on the dresses. Okay, well, you don't need to. Sarah's done it already. I mean, right. you just, just, you know. Spare the listeners. Yes, spare the listeners. I mean, I might, I won't even ask you what, what colours they were. Floral, I think, is probably simple. Very, yes, very glamorous. I think, I think we'll do that, floral. Super glam. Um, and other various bits and pieces. But let's start with um, Prince George. Happy birthday to Prince George in a week. And we did get a lovely picture of him... Um, to celebrate his birthday, as often happens, taken by his mum. Just um, sort of stripy and casual and out and about in Norfolk and um, and perched on a on a Land Rover, which people thought was a little bit of a nod to Prince Philip, which was quite sweet. Well, I think this was a sort of inference from, uh, you know, from certain people. They were saying that, uh, oh, well, if you look closely at the picture, it's a nod to his great-grandfather. And uh, we thought, oh, well, he must be sitting on Prince Philip's car, but it wasn't his car. It was William's car, William and Kate's car. So, I they used to yeah, have their own cars. They all do. They, I mean, it's it, yeah. I mean, it, it was quite a nice photo. I, I just can't believe how big he's got. I mean, I suppose he's eight now, but that's what happens with children? They grow up. Don't they? <laughs> they grow. They grow. It's wild, isn't it? It's um. I thought it was a rather, rather nice picture. Um, nice to see them out and about in Norfolk, and in, in sunnier times. Um. And yeah, was it a nod to Prince Philip? Perhaps it was. I don't know. Or it was just a small boy sitting on his parents' car. Sitting in a car, yeah. I'm and they, a, with a nice smile, and they thought that that was a good one and good to share. So yeah, it was was very lovely. Uh, Lilibet has been added to the Line of Succession webpage. Clearly, she was part of the Line of Succession as soon as she was born, but 
know, updating websites and getting the wording agreed and I mean, that kind of thing might take some us people a while. Were, some people were causing a bit of a stink about this. I, I think that was, uh, I said on Twitter that there was, when you actually look down at Royal Baby, some weren't added for, you know, a year afterwards. So I think it's just the social media Bod hadn't uh, hadn't got their act together or hadn't hadn't crossed it off their to do list. So might say. have been but on a holiday or busy doing other things because there's lots lots going on. And, there has um, been lots going on. There's been lots going on. But um, the royal children, this yeah. um, it's quite interesting. This new cartoon. So yeah, I mean, this is which is. Uh, well, Prince Harry and Meghan in their sort of in their apartment palace situation. Orlando Bloom seems to be doing Prince Harry's voice, and then the the royal kids are sort of satirised in it as well. When whereas not normally people are kind of stay stay nice and friendly with the with the royal kids and just give them a bit of a break. So what I, so Orlando Bloom voice is 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 got a part in this, right? And he's apparently mates with Prince Harry. And he did this really weird tweet during the week. Um, a video of Princess Diana taking part in a mum's race on sports day. I mean, it's almost just a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I, you know Gary Gennetti from Instagram, and he does this sort of mocking of Prince George. And, you know, so perhaps it's distasteful. So, some people find it's, it's quite funny. It's fairly amusing at times. But then to then go this one step further, and I think you're right. I think that kids should be off limits. Um, it certainly created a bit of a stink, and there's definitely you know uh, people are split, let's say, between it because I think that uh, yeah, the comics essentially do have a right to free speech. However, when he's dressed in his school uniform, the colours of his actual school, and it's outwardly mocking him, it's not just you know, one skit or a couple of pictures having a bit of fun, but it's actually, it's actually a series. Um, I, I, it leaves me feeling a bit uneasy, to be honest. So, you know, the, the royal family are not immune from satire by any, by any stretch. And, so and neither should they be, because, no. you know, the, Winds, the Windsors, if you have never seen the Windsors, everybody, you've got to see it, because it's brilliant. And it's actually go, go, going on stage. I know. Um, so the, Wind, the Windsors are fantastic, and I think that's really funny. And I imagine if they watched it, that that's you know it's hilarious. So little, and we interviewed the writers of the Windsors yes. just over just over a year ago. So do check do check that one out. Um, and it, they, you know they're good fun in there. So I mean you know they were, they were lampooned always in sort of spitting image and um, and that side of things. But I, I think I remember even the Windsors saying that they because I don't think Prince Philip appears in it. Well, the, they were you know they were talking about there are some people or the the Queen's not in it. There were some people who they right. felt were sort of off off limits. So there were particular people who they did feel was sort of that people did want to mock or were open for mockery in a way that actually sort of the, the I don't know I guess the respected people or the the people who are too young to defend themselves. Are um are not able to so I mean I think it's well quite- the other thing is you do, we don't really know much, we don't know anything about Prince George as a child you don't know anything about his character so it's e- it's easy to create a persona for somebody who is in the public eye and an adult I just think you know when it when it's children um for for the purposes of uh, comedy shall we say it's uh, I think it's very close to the bone it's a bit harsh I, mean, I think it's it's not strictly true to say we don't know anything about Prince George as a as a little person as a character you know his parents share snippets of his of his life you know sort of you know I think love of helicopters and tractors and all of that kind of thing and um you know seeing how taken he was by the football and how devastated he was at the end but we they're little snippets you know we don't and I, I I'm sure they've spoken in the past as well about how the, the sort of children interact or their sort of different natures they've spoken about that a bit as well but all of this sort of how I don't know it's it's one thing saying you know it's so it's so ridiculous that it's 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 clearly just made up which is kind of fine but then maybe you don't do it as actual real people you do it as a you give them some different names rather than yeah rather yeah than, yeah rather, rather than, than their actual names I mean I'm just reading Genetti's quote actually he says I would hope he would find it super funny and have a sense of humor about it and obviously see that everything is meant with affection well it's he's a child 
you know, he's surely not even going to see it. I, I doubt the Royals will even see it, to be honest. I don't think they'll give it the time of day. So, I mean, you know, reasonably still a cast. It'll be interest, interesting to see how that one um how that one goes um and there was you know there was some suggestion after the after the football because you know a lot of people thought how lovely it was that george was at the football and how sweet it was yeah i mean fine we were, we were there were various of us who thought oh he's there in a suit put him in a put him in a football <laughs> well, i just said in a sort of a you know we said it in a, like a loving fashion <laughs> but, well somebody so, said he looked like a 40 year old accountant and i thought that was rather amusing because he's sort of belly laughing with his suit on but then you know, there's there's it's one thing. Just I mean, that's I think that's all right if you say that. Surely, if somebody says, yeah, a little boy wearing a full suit, belly laughing, is quite strange. Well, it, there's also like he's he that is not going to come. That's not going to come through the tension. That's not like a you know that's not a, a like kind of a real thing. I know there was I think there was possibly some degree of meanness, but in the same way that there'd been. Um, you know, there have been pictures of a crying German fan. Yeah, well, that was like the young, so the young girl yeah, who, sure. and people were re- like really, really horrible about. And then there was some, I think, you know, anti-monarchists who probably did this, a similar type thing with, with George potentially. But you know, there was some chatter about whether he'd be kept out of the limelight after being in the eye of football. I mean, I think there's there is that natural thing of he will be out of the limelight largely over the summer anyway because they all just go on holiday and do their thing and have family time and, and it's well they've fine. gone already they normally take August off but they've been very quiet they've, <clears throat> they've left early this week oh, there's been no no sign of them but what I will say is that I think and there was a bit of chatter around um, you know whether they would release a birthday photo whether they will keep George out of the limelight because of certain things were said and I don't think that is going to be the case I think that both William and Kate have publicly um, made a stand on how they view social media, the responsibility that they and everyone else has, and certainly the social media companies have to look after children. So I think that they will no doubt be bringing their children up with an awareness of it, which I think is, well, it's it's a responsible attitude. They're going to have to the kids are going to have to get used to being in the public eye at some stage. Surely it's it's too early now, but no doubt they will be speaking to them about their role in the future and um, and obviously what it means to have a responsible footprint on um, online themselves. And of course, there will be people taking pot shots at them, unfortunately. But um, I, I think uh, I don't think they'll they'll shy away from that responsibility. I think they're they're, they're more more likely to t- t- tackle it head on. Um, and one sort of final bit from from the football as well. We got a bit of insight into what happened after the match in terms of Prince William going down and visiting the England football team. I thought it's just interesting, you know, almost the, the time the time shift and the emotion shift as well. When we were talking about him being at the FA Cup final and not even being allowed to sort of shake hands with the winning captain who was wanting to was yeah. wanting to do that, and then after the after the football, going in and giving hugs to the three players who had sadly you know missed their penalties or had their penalties saved well again I think uh, Mark of the Man not only is sort of there is the president of the FA there is a, a fan you saw his reaction I love watching that back it's sheer unbridled joy when we were we were gonna win it we were going to win it oh god um, but then to yeah to go back and to, to, to go back and see the, the lads in the changing room is um, a real show of affection really not, not only there as the president of the FA, future king, but a fan first and foremost, I think. And, uh, and, and obviously knew, unfortunately, as we all did, that the, those, those young lads who were bravely stuck up and, and took the penalties and, uh, and unfortunately didn't score, um, that they were, they were the real heroes because they, the, they had the, uh, the, uh, the guts to step up and take it. So, you know, all, all applause round for them, I think. Yeah, and I think most people watching that match, they did just want to put their, you know, put their arms around those lads, you know, the, the footballers, mega mega bucks footballers who but who in that moment were just like young men whose hearts were broken on the sort of yeah. biggest biggest day of their lives type thing. So anyway, um so that was a nice finish there. Um we spoke a lot last week about Prince Harry's book deal. So we're not going or the, the the talk about the book coming out and what have you. So we're not going to go into this too much more. But it's been sort of is it more than just one book? More details or more sort of thoughts about what's coming out? Megan potentially doing a book about wellness. 
I mean, that's probably the the most likely scenario. There's a so a bit of background. What's happened this week is um, quite a, a bit of uproar about reports concerning whether Harry has actually signed a four book deal. Um, and if this is true, I mean, his let's first and foremost let's say that his spokespeople, although they didn't respond to the original request straight away um, for reasons unknown. Uh, they did eventually come back and say that these uh, these allegations were false and defamatory. So take this information for how you view it, because I don't think we know the full story. However, the reports were that um, Harry has signed a four-book deal and that there were um, allegations surrounding that one of those books, at least one of those books, would be after the Queen has passed away. So, I mean, this is very, very, very controversial. So if that is the case... It doesn't seem beyond the realms of possibility, does it? Because what, I, what, you're just going to do one book and leave it at that? I don't think that will be the case. I, d- I don't think they can help themselves for want of putting their story out. What have we had? We've had Finding Freedom with the podcast, James Corden, a couple of Oprah shows, and now this is going to be the definitive account from Harry. I mean, it won't be the last, uh, almost certainly. And I think that um, they, if there are future books in the offering whether Megan does a wellness book or not, that's neither here nor there. I think that she, no doubt she will uh, dip her toe in the literary world. But the very fact that Harry's going to do this memoir and then potentially um, has a, a book coming out after the Queen dies, why on earth are they going to want him there or even speak to him? You know, these, these are real issues that, that when he's when he's then within the fold, I saw some you know commentary during the week that William apparently regrets... Um, is speaking to his brother at uh, at Prince Philip's funeral because, and you, you can well imagine this because, I, I mean, from from what I understand, I think that everyone just needs wants to take a breather, leave him to his own devices, let's uh, not react every time uh, you know there are there are reports about what he's doing or not doing, and so, um, but but it still stands to reason as to why they will want to even entertain him. Um, if if uh, if these book deals are true, and the other thing is, he's not. It doesn't sound like he's being very upfront with people because the very the very fact that he didn't tell the family about his plans, nor is he duty bound to. That will be the response from the palace and from his people. He doesn't. He isn't duty bound to tell them what he's doing commercially or otherwise. But it it's common courtesy, surely, to say, "Listen, I'm going to do this." Otherwise, it just looks a bit shady, in my view. But on the book front, so at the risk of using, you continually using football as a uh, as a sort of a prism of explanation, but you know you get footballers who'll do their first autobiography at the age of about twelve, moment maybe like 20, 22 or whatever, you know, and then they'll do another one later in their career, and then maybe they'll go on into management or do you know have some kind of like life outside football or whatever, and then they'll do another one. So saying that Prince Harry will publish a second book after the Queen has died. I mean that that there is a long there is potentially a long period of time in his life that is after the queen has died that is not necessarily an opportunistic right the, the queen's died now I can wash all of the dirty washing that I didn't feel comfortable washing while she was alive mm. this is me maybe maybe this is me being op- optimistic sunny sunny uplands but I you know I I did I did think that this is a this is going to be a book about a particular stage of his life or the story so far if you like and he is still building the next stage of his life and that potentially will be a whole other um whole other thing to think about but we shall see do we, need a running comment- do we need a running commentary about it though that's what the, that's what a lot of people will be saying is you know, if if you're going to do, it, let's let's wait and see what's in this book. I mean, yeah, will, will yeah. it be full of contrition and soul searching, or will it just be, you know, more more uh, slander and aggravation? Uh, to, uh, or will let's it? See. That's why. Or will it? Or will it be a bit less on that front and a bit more? You know, trying to re- be reflecting on himself less through the fine but yes we don't know what will be in it well, I'm that, sure. that would be a first surely I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm sure we will look forward to reading it as and when it uh, comes out to seeing, um, seeing what's going on but um, a book that is hitting the shelves rather sooner is Sarah Ferguson's debut novel Her Heart oh. for a Compass and Her Heart so- for a Compass <laughs> Follow Your Heart 
but do you dare? The, the, the sound quality of that video is absolutely appalling. I think producer Dan has done absolute wonders with that because I remember when she tweeted it on, her, on the social medias, uh, it was absolutely shocking. But listen, that's not just what I'm just looking at these pictures. So Sarah, the Duchess, has done a piece with Town and Country magazine. And have you, have you read this? I mean, you've obviously read my piece about it, but there were a lot of takeouts from it. I thought, and there was a bit of the people having a bit of debate about me, whether she was comparing herself to Nelson Mandela. However, my view, my view was, why are you mentioning Nelson Mandela to speak about your, you know, how you're living your life? You should not, you should not be uttering his name. But she said, one day I got up and thought Mandela forgave his persecutors. Surely I can forgive and move forward. I mean, that's not the most bizarre take out. The other one was she rang the producers of The Crown and offered to give uh, an appraisal of her own character. Surprisingly, they said no. So they said, don't worry about it, Fergie. Well, uh, I think we'll be all right. Um, so this is obviously a bit of a, a, a PR round because she's got this book coming out. However, I, she, talk, she talks about how she was mistreated within the media. I mean... Seriously? She was sucking people's toes and selling access to Prince Andrew for half a million quid. So I think that uh, she's possibly look looking at it with rose-tinted glasses, that experience, or perhaps not. I mean, it's... I mean, you've just got to see the pictures as well. Oh, as, yeah, a 1,200 quid Alexander McQueen... Is it a bustier? Is that a, is that yes, a, a bustier? Have... So, the photos are extraordinary. Uh, taken by Miss San Hariman, uh, who was it with uh, pussy bow? <laughs> it is with pussy bow. Yes, she's got a white pussy bow blouse with oh a red leather bustier situation over the top, which is <laughs> I don't know. That's that's the picture that made me think it's a royal hey. knock knockout somehow. Bizarrely, um, the hat the hat is sixteen hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> um, it's a see through hat. So the hats are all, 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 all the pictures that I've seen. They're all black and sort of quite, um, you know, Jesus. like morning, morning, morning widow, sort of um, vampish type. Utterly And um, producer Dan described the pictures as steampunk, which I thought was uh, that's that that's a good one. Steampunk, yeah, it is. I, yeah. I, I, it's a leather, a leather bustier, Dolce and Gabbana. Who's buying this stuff? Oh no, Alexander Queen bustier, Dolce and Gabbana skirt, eight hundred quid. Good gosh. I mean, it's there's a, there's a black sort of herringbone, black and white herringbone tweed uh, coat situation, which looks like, you know, sort of country, country, uh, country lady. There's a... Uh, wearing a veil in one of them, with a top yeah. hat. I think it's the, I think it's the leopard print mini dress with big sleeves when I was a bit like, okay, hang on a minute, <laughs> hang on a minute here, I'm not sure about this. The, the bohemian ones that are standing on the swing, which I wonder whether that's the same swing that we saw for... Um, for Eugenie's pictures, potentially. Maybe, it's it's a, they're taking the in the grounds of Royal Lodge. So yeah, yeah. that's actually quite a nice photo. That's a nice one. The other one like, with whimsical. The, the other one which she's wearing, yeah, this leopard shrimp, big puffy sleeves. I mean, this is a big fashion appraisal from me, ladies and gents, but she's got her hand on somebody's head who's fixing her boot. <laughs> it's, it's utterly, utterly, 1,400 quid for the earrings. Oh my word. Anyway, oh, well, you got to sorry, sorry Mrs. Them. Myers. It doesn't sound like you're going to be getting any of these things for your birthday. So, for, no, for, 14 grand. $14,000, not 1,400 quid. Oh, gosh. Anyway, the, 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 it's, she, so she gives this sort of viewpoint of how she's found her voice. Now she's 61. I mean, yeah, maybe, but, but I, I, again, I don't think there is very much soul searching. It's all like, oh, I, I was wronged. I was I was treated so awfully, whereas it was pretty much down to her own behaviour. She was the one who was you know, behaving. Uh, what should we say? What should we say diplomat diplomatically? Inappropriately. Inappropriately. Yeah, she was behaving inappropriately. They, they make it. The, the royal family were furious at her, no doubt. And then it was well documented about uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's um, viewpoint of her at the time absolutely put her into exile didn't want anything to do with her and then completely lambasted his son when he was uh, you know still regazed, um, being involved in a relationship with her long after their divorce and now, and now they live together it's listen 
it might work for them. It's quite strange, but I think she's a she's a bit of an odd cat as well, isn't she? So yes, anyway. So that is an interview on Town and Country magazine. So you can check it out yeah, there check it and out. see incredible pictures. Um, so yes, that's exciting. But I mean, the other outfits that have been catching our eye this week have been the multiple wedding outfits of Lady Dispenser, who got uh, got married at the weekend. Not quite a royal wedding, but aristocratic very glam lots of super fun to look posh at. super posh super posh five frocks fair, fair to say that neither russell or i was on the guest list for that one no. but um so i, I did get uh, the big guns in to talk about the fashion russell sorry did you so, like the wedding dress i did not spoilers for the upcoming i did with- i thought it was wonderful i thought i loved it I thought I, like, was... I like the other ones. I like the other ones. So the the one the the flowery one, the the sort of low cut, shoulderless flowery one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That was very nice. Very very nice. Okay, well let's let's, let's listen what, to Sarah. Let's listen to Sarah <laughs> instead. So hello, Sarah Bradbury. It's so nice to see you. It's been a long while since we have talked about dresses and. What a lot of dresses from just one wedding weekend to talk about. I know, what a way to come back. I know, I mean, it's just, I mean, it clearly sucks to be the muse for Dolce and Gabbana. I mean, they're going to make you horrible things that you have to wear, and what an absolute drag. I mean, you know, yeah, could be a lot worse. You could spend, you know, your average wedding in Somerset and it starts to rain, or you could be in Italy and have the time of your life. And not one spectacular dress, or even two, but five. Five people, count them, five. Um, talk us through the different looks, first of all. Give us a little bit of a potted potted summary of what we can see in uh, those fabulous pictures that um, Kitty Spencer shared on her Instagram and that Dolce & Gabbana also shared in their, uh, on their social medias. It's fair to say that this was very much an Instagram wedding, I think. Yeah, and to be fair, I think in the nicest way possible, she really showed what a royal wedding should really look like because boy did she go all out she had, as you've mentioned before she wore a total of five Dolce & Gabbana dresses over just a three-day period which is insane but um you know who else would you wear for your Italian wedding um it is worth mentioning though that she is actually an ambassador for the brand so I'm sure they were more than happy to create the gowns for her big weekend and her big day um so she kicked it off uh in Florence and she wore a beautiful polka dot dress from uh the designers and colorful wigs um which was in the the pre the pre pre-wedding um, and I'm guessing that's like a bit of a mini Italian Hindu with all of her best gals. And then on the Friday night, the eve before her wedding, she wore almost like a Cinderella style fairy tale gown, which was a gorgeous baby blue tulle gown, had a matching cape with like cross stitch pink floral embroidery all over. Um, I really loved this dress. I thought it really made kind of like her eyes pop and it was like a bit girly, bit whimsical, but also had that kind of strong bodice that we kind of know from the Italian designers and love. Um, Then she obviously had the big day on Saturday um, and wore that stunning lace gown with the puff sleeves. Obviously it's Victorian inspired. Um, It's teamed with a traditional veil and a very, very long train. Um, But also people kind of picked up that it was a nod to her mother, Victoria Lockwood's um, creation that she wore on her own wedding day. And that was kind of the, the same button down front, the high neckline and the puff sleeves. Um, but unlike the other Spencer brides, uh, Lady Kitty didn't actually wear the family heirloom, which is the Spencer tiara for her wedding day. Um, reasons we're not actually sure of why, but maybe it just didn't kind of go with like her theme and the kind of look she was kind of going for. Maybe she wanted to stay away from traditional kind of weddings and kind of do her own thing, especially getting married in a different country, whereas most of the royal weddings have kind of taken place in England. Um, Later that evening, she wore this beautiful white um, hand-painted gown. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but it's kind of like floral at the top and almost has like some sort of like Italian 
statues printed on the main body and then more hand printed flowers around the bottom and it's just phenomenal like if you could see that in a museum that is what i would pay to see um it was like an organza gown embellished with flowers and a lot of crystals and then for the evening we don't actually know whose dress she wore because it apparently it's not dolce and gabbana she stood away from the designers but it was a little perfect gold beaded mini dress with lots of silver and lots of gold kind of like embellishments and like very, very chunky jewelry pieces. So very much like a statement kind of showing off her party side, maybe her little London look. Um, and then on the third day of celebrations, she kind of opted for another refined, elegant gown. And it was a silk dress embellished with sequins, ribbons, sort of bright, sort of like, a, like an emerald green ribbon um, and tiny floral embroideries, which was very sweet. But as for her makeup, she kind of stuck to her traditional sort of like English rose style. She had those beautiful rosy cheeks, uh, a smoky um, like lower lash line, winged liner, and then kind of like a sheer buttery pink lip. She just looked gorgeous throughout the whole weekend. So I'm very jealous. Oh, yeah, absolutely incredible pictures. But can I just say, I'm really not a fan of the actual wedding dress itself. I think, it, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit like, I kind of, I kind of get it. It's kind of quite high art maybe, or it's, but it's just quite, I find it quite severe with the lace. And then you've got the sort of slightly bonded bodice set up underneath. And the, you know, the, the quite, um, I think it's the, the sleeves and the neckline, it's quite fierce and stuck on but also somehow a little bit of Miss Havisham, if you like, I don't know. It, I, it just didn't, feel it felt quite austere somehow and very you know very spectacular and very over the top but quite um you know she's a very young bride she's you know she's marrying a much older man but it felt quite i don't know old it, it, i didn't warm i didn't warm to it whereas the other creations were so fairy tale and girlish i felt that the, the I, I, the wedding dress, I just, I didn't like it. I felt it, it made me feel trapped, which yeah. is not a vibe I, I would want to have on my wedding day. But I mean, the picture, the pictures were spectacular, and I love it. I love it from the back with the, you know, sort of giant circular train, which has obviously been beautifully laid out for the pictures. Where you've got the train, you've got the veil coming down, and the lovely picture of this, you know, just looking over her shoulder. Dramatic, full, full drama, but. I don't know it's a bit it's so white and a bit ghostly and just it wasn't for me but maybe it's also because when you've got so many fabulous dresses to choose from like maybe I'm just drawn to the colors and the flowers and all of that side of things instead yeah it's very very like heavily lace heavily repeated lace so it's kind of just like the solid throughout the whole dress I feel like if you cut away the neckline cut off the neck and you just had like those big shoulders but kind of with that beautiful bodice it would made it a bit more modern but maybe this is like a nod to her english heritage i don't know whereas the other dresses are very like italian very sexy very ott very bright and colorful where maybe she wanted to cut down that whole quintessential traditional royal wedding look where it's like very modest very covered very beaded very lace like maybe she just kind of wanted to have one dress that kind of symbolized her family's heritage I guess um, and then kind of go wild in the other ones wild in the aisles quite literally wild in the aisles and uh, you know the one with all of the flowers around the um, the skirt line it almost looks like she you know she's walked through the garden and brought half the half the bower with her you know it's like she's got a whole never mind having flowered archways or whatever to to walk by you're just carrying the flowers with you it's that's stunning I love the blue one and I really love the green one as well which we've there's far fewer sort of obvious pictures that have been shared of that. And I, I really like it as a dress, although um, green is always an interesting choice because some people see it as being unlucky, but I just, I think it's an absolutely stunning, stunning colour. And um, I mean, a word as well for the necklace that she is wearing. I mean, oh, necklace I doesn't really do it justice with that, with that sort of sky blue, like deep sky blue and pink cross stitch flowers dress with, you know, very elegant sort of off the shoulder, well, not off the shoulder, strapless neckline showing off, you know, A, her incredible bit figure, but B, this incredible, um, bling that she has got going on. I mean, what, what a look for your wedding weekend. 
I think she, yeah, she definitely had a lot of incredible jewelry choices and a lot of incredible dresses throughout the entire weekend. Whereas from the other royal families who have got married, it, they've kind of very much stuck to a very simple, very elegant, very, dare I say it, bland. Whereas she's just kind of thrown, you know, everything into the pot and said, Dolce, Gabbana, do what you will make me look like the Italian princess I want to look like for, you know, for my wedding and man, did she do it? And she do it well. Full kitchen sink. Which is your favourite dress? Oh, it's really hard. I want to see more of the gold one that we, it wasn't designed by Dr. Gabbana as far as we're aware. I do love the blue. I do love the blue. I think the blue looks almost wearable. Like you could, you could wear it to, you know, I mean, it would need to be a big event, but it, maybe it's just because the, the, we can't see the full extent of the skirt in all of the pictures. Whereas the other ones, you would need to have somebody help it. You probably need to travel in your own car, like just you and the dress, or you know, probably the back of a, the back of a truck to I mean, fit it to fit it all in. Whereas the blue one, it looks like you know you could wear that for dinner and some dancing and to a friend's wedding without. It's stealing the entire entire scene and all of the space on the dance floor. So. I think after the year that we've had, that dress deserves an outing, even if it is the local Waitrose or Sainsbury's. I mean, I would wear that anywhere and everywhere. You, could, I would sleep in it. I wouldn't shower, but I would wear it all the time. <laughs> well, I think this is the other thing, you know, when, when people get married, you, you know, sometimes people might have a second second dress for the evening do if they want to like be able to let loose and party and things but you've got one day to wear the dress that you have chosen for your wedding day and to then have to sort of split it among all of these others but then when you've got such fabulous ones maybe you are quite happy too although this is it and also, you know, I'll never forget Megan wearing that gorgeous halter-neck Stella McCartney number. And I feel like Kate wore another McQueen number in the evening. Yeah. But, um, you know, when when Megan got in the car with Harry and she was wearing that huge topaz ring that was Princess Diana's and she was wearing that very silky halter-neck Batlix number, it was like, wow, okay, Megan is pulling out the stops here as well. So, you know, they always do like their little sexier, bit more what's the word kind of raunchy evening number but yeah lady kitty really did it in style with multiple gowns mega aristocrat wedding very much very styled there and i have to say there's a, there's a friend of mine who i think would occasionally um wear her wedding dress just to do the ironing just because Oops. she could because why not and then so i think there's like a there's a um a fun run like a charity sponsored run that some people do each year wearing their wedding dresses as well just as a you know as an excuse to get it out and wear it and and have have some fun in it and and have some joy and you know that thing of like i can still fit in it as well which is always an achievement this is true i think there was a rumor after millie mcintosh divorced um professor green she actually cut her wedding dress up and walked to a Halloween party. So, you know, there's always that option. <laughs> well, let's hope that is not the fate for any of these Dolce and Cabana dresses. One, because they are beautiful. And two, because we wish Kitty and her husband um, a long and happy marriage and life together. Sarah, it's been lovely to catch up with you. We should be, we should tr- make, a, make a hot date to chat royal fashion and Kate's looks sometime before too long because, you know, she's been knocking it out of the park on, uh, on various, you know, more more day-to-day occasions we can get a bit more more relatable and semi-attainable but it's um it's nice to be taken away with a fairy tale so thank you to kitty spencer and dolce and cabana and thank you sarah for joining us to chat about the frocks thanks for having me thanks guys So it was great to catch up with Sarah because it's been a while since we talked much about fashion or with anybody um, more expert than me and Russell. And fashion is not always our strong suit, as you probably notice if you follow us on the Instagram at Podsave with our lockdown our lockdown outfits. Um, but yes, great to catch up with um, Sarah. But while we're talking about amazing pictures of the week, this is less about outfits and more about accessories. I think my favourite royal picture never mind the wedding ones or the Sarah Ferguson ones, it is the picture of Prince Charles sitting at the National Memorial Arboretum with his umbrella up, looking in... Mortified. Mortified. That is clown. Clown was next to him. Our our esteemed Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, having 
somewhat rather more trouble with his umbrella, which is like fully inside out and just like as a metaphor for everything. It's just like, He was doing an interview during the week where he couldn't, he was drenched. Do you see this? He was outside a police station. He, was, he didn't even know how to hold an umbrella. He was absolutely drenched. And then at this uh, memorial for uh, deceased um, police officers, that uh, he just was getting himself into an awful state with this. Uh, but the pictures were just hilarious. But I did feel sorry for Charles. He certainly wasn't laughing. I mean, some people thought, say, oh, it's not Charles is funny. funny. I thought Charles was sitting there absolutely mortified that this buffoon next to him was uh, taking the attention away from the, on the day of what it should on have been about. Solemn occasion. Exactly. National Memorial Arboretum. Um, I think I spoke about it in one of our um, remembrance episodes, probably, because it is a very fabulous, fabulous place. But yeah, so that was, um, and Charles spoke there sort of in the, in the um, unveiling of this new memorial. Um, and now Charles is out and about up in Scotland in his kilt. So he's, he's wearing all, you know, he, he's probably the most visible royal at the moment, I think. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the Cambridges have, t- have taken um, an early cut, shall we say, for, for summer. Uh, maybe they'll come back earlier because normally we don't we don't see them till mid September. Uh, but yeah, Charles, Charles has been out and about. He's been in. He's, he's obviously the National Arboretum. Uh, he's in Scotland for a couple of days. It's, it's in where we we're, we're we're not even space time continuum because we're late this week. Aren't we're we? late. So it is Friday. We apologise, but. Um, yeah, he's been. Uh, I, th- I, I, I think we will see a bit of Charles throughout August. I don't think it will be all too quiet. I think that he is quite aware that, um, yeah, that uh, they've they've had sort of a slow start to the year, not through their own doing, but because of yeah, the, the pandemic. And uh, no doubt, fingers crossed, things will be looking a bit rosier by the top by September, and uh, and we'll be out and about. And dare I say it, we may even get a tour. When do you think? Come on. Come on, the gods. Russell wants a tour. I just want some fun. <laughs> just some they quite, they do to. quite often go in the autumn, don't they? That's often quite Yeah, a I think time. October might, might, you know, it might not be a bad shout. So we'll, we'll see. We'll follow that space. Um, just to thank our listeners who got in touch explaining about the Church of England in America and its state over there. There's various um, similar comments. So thank you to everybody who messaged. But I'm going to share one from Amy Russell Scruggs, who says, um, also just finished listening to the podcast, wanted to point out that the Church of England is also known as the Anglican Church in the States, but more broadly, the Episcopal Church. I'm a member and have been my entire life. Um, it's probably the oldest denomination perhaps established in the United States. After the Revolutionary War, it changed its name from the Church of England slash Anglican Church for reasons of separating from Great Britain. I'm guessing it wasn't very popular to be a member of the Church of England post-1776. And as I understand it, our bishop's answer to the Archbishop of Canterbury, so there is still a direct line. Anyway, I don't see why Meghan and Harry wouldn't want to have a little bit baptised in the UK. I certainly would if my granny were head of the church. And um, there's another listener who mentioned that uh, rather than they don't pray for the Queen, they pray for the President. So the so it is still the, the church does the church, but but I think often that that may not be to do with the church that as it's because you you pray for people who are sort of in charge of in charge of stuff and people's lives and trying to do trying to do better and make people's mm. lives good and have major responsibility so you know anyway so thank you very much Epis- the episcopal church is the uh, is the equivalent over there and then the other thing that uh, last week i didn't quite manage to mention was that some new material had been released from the archives. So I think it's like a couple of times a year or once a year, the archive, National Archives at Kew, the things that are kept under wraps for, I think it's like some random number of years now, like 23 years or something like that. Um, they, they're they released for the public or they're, they're released and people can go through them and, and find the interesting stories in there. And um, there were a couple of different things in there that were a bit interesting. So there was talk at one stage about turning the Millennium Dome, which is now known as the O2, but was this sort of big, um, big white dome in East London um, that was opened for for the Millennium, year 2000. I think it's where you had, um, was the Queen, did she have to sing Old Lang Syne in there on Millennium Eve? The Queen? So the Queen, Tony Blair, was he in there? I don't know. Oh, yeah, gosh. probably. 
clearly, oh, yeah. clearly, I had a bit too much uh, too <laughs> much to drink on that night. Yes, but um, anyway, so the OT only was a, was a project that was fraught with various different problems we got there in the end. But um, there was talk about that becoming a tribute to Princess Diana in some way. The whole thing. Yeah, well, just like I guess being named after her, or not that kind of thing, but but oh, well, oh, just benching that. Are we allowed to say you saw the statue? I saw the statue. Close. Yeah. So when I went to Kensington Palace with Amber, I saw. The, well, I didn't see it up close, up close because we didn't do a sort of a full lap of the sunken garden. But good news, people, you can you can if you're visiting Kensington Gardens, you can get into that bit without. You can go to the sort of have a walk around the grounds, some of the grounds. Mm. Um, without getting a ticket. Although why wouldn't you want to get a ticket and go visit Kensington Palace itself? Precisely. Which is fabulous, as um, as you will find out also when you listen in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, because you're seeing it from further away. So the Sunken Garden, it's quite a sort of large rectangular with beautiful flower beds, like stunning flowers, and then, and then sort of hedging all the way around with different viewports um, through it, or sort of gates through it, although hedge, hedgeways, as uh, as I heard it referred to at a hotel I was saying at recently. Um, but basically you get sort of different viewpoints and different angles on the, on the statue. And the, the main view you have of it is sort of the full length of the garden. You can see two of the three children that she's standing with. And, and it, in that context, seeing it in the space of the, of the garden, it, makes sense that it's you know kind of large and imposing. it's huge isn't it it's one and a half times life size isn't it or so one it, and a quarter it's massive so and it's on this plinth so it's, it's on the plinth and it kind of makes sense it, it, you're not looking at it as a likeness of someone in the same way so it's a piece of sort of sculpture in in the garden so i think i i think i did feel quite differently about it looking at it in the in the garden as opposed to sort of having seen the the photos of it where inevitably it's more up close and you're looking at the small details and and that kind of thing um but yeah you can so you can walk around and see it from from different angles so you can sort of see the, the third child who's hiding a bit behind um if you see from different places so that was um that was interesting um russell one more thing from the archives if you were invited for tea with the queen what would your answer be Yes. Yeah. Generally, generally the answer would be yes. But apparently, <laughs> Bill Clinton, having previously already taken tea with the Queen, declines an invitation no. to tea with the Queen. Gosh. To Gosh, go for that... to go for beers and a curry with Tony Blair, the new Prime Minister. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty, pretty bum deal, if you ask me. You so see Blair any time of the week, but you you didn't well, go for tea with was, the Queen. Well, he did. He'd done it before. Clearly, a busy visit. Um, but anyway, Gosh. so that's, that's right. well, I mean, the Queen, she might have liked to go for beers and curries. She might have had you enough of scones and cucumber sandwiches. So, um, bit, what do you reckon her favourite curry is? Jal Frazier, I reckon. <laughs> She's a vindaloo lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, clearly it's coronation chicken. Oh, very ah. good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Coronation chicken, curry chicken sandwich, lovely. Gosh, I'm getting hungry now. I am now, yeah. Right. Well, Russell, it's nearly time for you to go on your uh, your little holidays before we're back later in the summer. But I'm going to miss you. I know. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too. Uh, For how long are we off? Well, we'll negotiate. Well, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to see how much the royals do in between times. We will be um, we'll be providing some interesting feature episodes, as previously mentioned, interspersed when uh, with probably a, a multi-royal catch-up, I suspect. But um, as the royals head off on their holidays and we head off on ours, like how? I mean, it's obviously been a, a very turbulent time. Um, they've had the death of Prince Philip it's going to be the first summer up at Balmoral without Prince Philip as they sort of go through the new things first first summer for uh, Boris Johnson and his new wife Carrie as mar- husband and wife to be invited up to Balmoral as um, married married couple um, but yeah how do you how do you think the what will they be thinking about what do I think? on their sun lounges well, not- well listen it's been I mean what a year I mean, we've, we've we've barely come up for breath, have we? Haven't we? So you think of the start of the year, all the stuff happening with the Sussexes, and then um, it's been a, it's been a rocky road. So I think I think everyone will be like 
taking stock of what has happened, I think they will use this as an opportunity to have a breather. Um, certainly, no doubt we will be hearing from the Sussexes before long. I, I think the rest of the family will use this definitely as an opportunity to to to, to try and plan out what they want the next six to 12 months to look like. And, and obviously they want to hit the ground running. I know that is a phrase that is used quite a lot, but it's, it's, it's right because they, we really haven't seen as much of them as, the, as we would have liked. Um, so I, I do think that we will see the, the, these things happening in parallel. So we'll definitely see a lot of the Zooms still keeping in contact with those sorts of people, but we definitely need to see a bit more of them front and center. Um, I think we'll see a bit more of, of Kate in the in the sort of latter stages of the year to do with uh, a, a lot more in early years. Um, no doubt we've got Earthshot as well. That's coming up in November, December, maybe. Um, and so, it's, it's I, I think they, this this these next few weeks will be just the family taking stock of what's happened and. And no doubt putting in place the plans for the uh, for the future because they, they need to have sort of a very united front. I think we've spoken about that beforehand. I think we will see more of the Wessexes um, and always busy. But, you know, the, that core seven of them, the magnificent seven as they were dubbed <laughs> by some of our subs. But I definitely think that the, the Queen will we'll be speaking to them individually and as a group throughout the summer and um and then hopefully we'll kick off a new term with more things to look forward to well, what russell less really pandemic. is saying less pandemic what russell is hoping that they're going to be doing over their summer holidays is planning their next trip that he can yeah, join them I'm not, i don't think we're <laughs> going to see one this year i mean we, we might see a uk one because we've had you know, we've had a couple of them now, but I, I just can't see. I can't see a tour there. Maybe, Isn't maybe abroad. I, I don't think so. I mean, it just. It <laughs> I mean, just they, don't, they don't want to get. Nobody knows. They don't want to get stuck on, on the ambulance whilst they're over there. Can imagine, imagine. Rush, it'd be a rush back. Yeah. Um, so, so yes. All right. Well, like everyone, they deserve a little bit of a break and recharging of the batteries and figure out, you know, like you say, taking stock, making plans, figure out what they're going to do next. We'll be looking forward to seeing what they do next and um, we'll be back very soon to talk about it. In the meantime, enjoy the specials. Thank you to um, those listeners who went on and left us lovely reviews last week after I, um, I mentioned that that would be a lovely thing to do. If you have time over the summer, then please do. Um, pop over to your favourite podcast provider and give us some lovely stars and ratings. Um, you can follow Russell on the Instagram in the meantime at Russell J Myers and he's at what you RJ Myers on Twitter. RJ Myers on Twitter, yeah. And uh, we are at Pod Save on both Instagram and Twitter. And um, yes, I think we should probably wish all of our listeners a lovely summer. We should well. do. I hope you have a lovely summer. I hope it is filled with re the recharging of the batteries, lots of family time, and we will have lots of things to look forward to, I'm sure, when we reconvene. And we hope you enjoy our special episodes that we've got coming up as well, because I've definitely enjoyed recording them and can't wait for you to hear them. So lots to look forward to. But stay safe, stay well, and until next time... Pod save the Queen! <laughs>